0: Welcome to Spooky
1: South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does it. AM 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisbury and Matt Costello.
2: Good evening. Happy New Year. Welcome to Spooky South Coast 2010 edition. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz. You know, we're coming up on, what, our fourth anniversary now. So we're going to be entering year five coming up. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It's big time stuff. And they said we wouldn't last. <clears throat> but we are here to talk with you about the paranormal as we are each and every Saturday night. And as the calendar turns to a new year, we figured what better time to talk about some of the upcoming possibilities for 2010. Um, I know there's a few possibilities for us uh, to be moved around on the schedule coming up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, I don't think you need to have any kind of uh, mediumship or, or psychic abilities to know that because the NFL playoffs are coming up. And that means we always get bounced around a little bit. And so uh, expect that to happen as well. We're going to plan to be here at our regular 10 o'clock start time, but uh if anything changes and we get moved to earlier in the evening, you can get the updates on SpookySouthCoast.com, as well as on our Twitter feed, uh, Twitter.com slash SpookySC. And it's all right up there on the main page of SpookySouthCoast.com. So you can figure out how best to follow us in the manner you so choose. And as soon as we know what time we'll be on, uh we'll let you know. So uh, that's – I guess it's the – the uh, the price you pay for being on during the NFL playoff season. But uh, it's better than having weeks off. So we're going to just come in whenever they tell us that we have the airwaves. If it's uh, 2.30 in the morning, yeah. then we'll run a tape show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we, uh, we have a great night lined up for you tonight because, as I said, you know, you're going to look to the new year. You always want to make uh, resolutions and, and make, uh, you know, just – a plan of what you want to have happen in the year. Well, there are a few fortunate uh, uh, people out there who have been able to master the art of uh, foretelling the future, and they can actually know what's going to happen. And one of those such people is Aaron C. Hansen, and he's going to join us in just a few minutes to talk about some of his predictions coming up for 2010, and we'll, we'll look back at some of his other predictions that he's made as well. Uh, if you remember, he was with us uh, over the summer after the passing of Michael Jackson. He had predicted that. And so he's got some other things in store for us as well. And then later on in the program, in hour number two, we're going to have Chris Balzano coming back for the second in his series of Balzano breakdowns for us. And he's going to break down predictions and the predicting business, not just uh, people who can do it and how they do it and and things like that, but just we're going to discuss how it's become a, a cottage industry uh, for a number of people out there, and with this focus on the paranormal, the opportunity is now there for people who have these abilities to showcase them to the world and in some cases even teach others how to use them as well so it 'll be it 'll be a fascinating evening i 'm sure and uh, if you have any dis- any um, predictions you want to make, if you have any uh, maybe feelings about two thousand ten that you want to share, uh, feel free to do that coming up in the second hour. The numbers are five oh eight nine nine six zero five hundred one 996 1420 and you can email us as well, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. But I think right now, let's get into the discussion with Aaron C. Hansen. He's a se- uh, psychic and remote viewer who was featured on In Search of TV documentary remake and on the episode Psychic Spies. Uh, he demonstrated that he could precisely locate a person at a remote location using only his remote viewing skills. And he has uh, also been featured on such television shows as SOS of TV SI in Japan, mainstream radio broadcasts such as Coast to Coast AM and, and this show as well. And he was featured in the film Suspect Zero, on which he also served as a technical assistant. And he's joining us now to talk about some of his predictions for 2010. And you can check out some of his predictions and those that have come true and those that he's made uh, on his website, thepropheticlight.com, which will be li- it's linked up right on the front page of SpookySouthCoast.com as well. Good evening, Aaron. How are you tonight?
3: It's my honor. It's great to be here. I tell you, uh, there's some good and bad things coming ahead for us in 2010. And, uh, yeah, the prediction business, wow, it is a business, and I do predict that in the future people will jump into this because they're going to learn more and more about a specific area of the brain that is not psychic functioning. It's prophetic functioning. These are two different distinct areas of the brain that need to be developed. Like a muscle, you work it out. And the more people become aware of this, the more they'll get in touch with it. And prediction is, a, is a, an important part of decision-making. These are only probabilities. The future is a probability. So collectively, we can make decisions depending on what paradigm we're, we're involved with. We can do this cross-culturally, make these decisions collectively, and we can, go, we can steer the human race in the right path. That's the, the positive side of this.
2: You mentioned the difference between uh, psychic function and prophetic function, but what is the difference?
3: Well, well, in terms of historical information and what I call non-historical information sources, those come from preconscious processing of information, whereas uh, historical sources are more subconscious. Yet, you can use the subconscious to access non-historical data or the future. Information that's obtained outside of normal states of awareness will come in two directions. Probability and history. There's nothing new under the sun. If you look out into the stars, for example, you'll find galaxies long burned out, long gone. There's a permanent record of all things. We have an access to this. We don't exactly understand how the human brain accesses this information. We just know that it's, that it's It's true. It works. Mm -hmm. But not all the time. There's no such thing as a 100% perfect prophet or psychic. But we can all learn to do this, and the more we do it, if we teach our children to do this, we have a better future because it assists the human race in a collective decision-making process.
2: Is it uh, a matter of as we've talked with others, I mean, you've had success with, as you've mentioned in the past, with the stock market and with the lottery, uh, but there are those who believe that once you do make that prediction and you know the information, then that changes the outcome automatically.
3: It, not on an individual basis. You know, you can think about the butterfly wing. You can think about the butterfly effect. Everybody's there's a book out now about that. Um, now, that, that I have a problem with because, again, unless you're involved with prophetic functioning and involved directly with the decision-making process, an individual will make very little difference in the overall result. So it's when the vast majority of people do this that you have the greatest, you know, change in our future. But as far as myself is concerned, I'm, I've made a lot of money in the stock markets. I'm, this is my living. I don't sell anything. Uh, I invest in stocks. I mean, when you can do this, And you become as proficient as I am, I've been doing it for years, then what's the first place you go? Lottery, uh, or a stock market? The lottery is more difficult, but the stock market is a lot easier, uh, because it it fits in to the way that non-historical sources of information are expressed. And so I can, you know, win more than I lose in the stock market doing this. So I have the edge where other investors don't. I predicted gold, uh, would rise. Uh, in 2009, long before anyone else was even considering it. And so I told my listeners, please, invest in gold, get in. And many of them did. And they remember, those of you listening to me now, you remember when I rec- recommended that. And so to this time, as a future, I recommend oil. I'm getting out of gold now. I'm getting into more practical things, things with utility like copper. And uh, I see a future in oil this year simply because there are more platforms. But stay away from the ETFs, folks. Uh, don't go there because the roll will kill you. you know, don't do that. So uh, get into the service uh, sectors, service-oriented uh, oil stocks. And there's, there's a tip for you out there. Uh, and People are going to remember this. Uh, so Plus, you know, the Middle East is a power kick. Any minute, mm-hmm. something could go off. And sentiment alone, even though the fundamentals don't support the price of oil above $100, sentiment alone can send it soaring past $100. I predict... Sometime this year we could see, there's a very high probability we could see $100, you know, plus per barrel of oil in U.S. dollars. And given that, you know, there's an opportunity for you now. I, I recommended uh, before Christmas back when, um, in the previous show in Spain, I recommended that, that uh, my listeners get into oil and they should buy in around $72 a barrel. And uh, shortly after that, it rose to uh, I guess about a dollar forty above that, and then bumped back down, which is an opportunity for people to get in again. And uh, so recently, it's uh, you know approaching eighty dollars a barrel now, so that's pretty good in short term investment. Um, you
2: know, I know it's it is tough for people though to to be sold on the idea of oil because we hear all this talk about becoming less dependent on it, and we hear uh, frequently how much it fluctuates. But the fact is, is it's it's still a very viable commodity.
3: L- let me tell you, I I. And I, I love solar energy and all that, but it cost me forty thousand dollars to to get off somewhat grid, and so uh, this is not practical for most people. It's like an investment in years and years of electricity, whereas I do this as a hobby. So I have both my uh, in one of my buildings here. I have uh, hot water and I have solar. I'm telling you, forty thousand dollars. That's you know you, in today's uh, housing market. You know, think of how many homes you could buy for that. So uh this, this to me was a personal project, but most people can't afford that. Solar's dead for that reason. It's just not it's not gonna there it's not gonna be there for most people. So that's just not reality. Oil is reality because it's cheap and there's an abundance uh uh supply of oil. Uh we found something off the coast of Mexico that is just, you know, next <laughs> we have so much oil you wouldn't believe it. And natural gas. So uh although things are geared more towards oil we're going to have oil for the next 50 years, folks. You better invest in it. Okay, oh. It's something, it's got utility, other things don't. Solar, uh-uh. It's, it's a joke for most people.
2: It's too expensive. Well, that's also, too, without even touching our own domestic reserve.
3: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, the thing is, we need to stop uh, importing oil. We, we don't need to do that. And this is a matter of economics. It really is, you know, and... The minute you see decoupling happening, and you see the dollar being, you know, basically trashed for the euro in terms of exchanging for oil, you're going to start to see more and more. You're going to start to see more and more uh, countries out there, uh, you know, resisting the use of the U.S. dollar to buy oil, you know, for for oil trade. So the thing is, once that happens, then you might see, along with the higher price of oil, you might see some domestic uh, production go up, where we're simply producing, you know. Becoming more efficient, it's really the only way we can save ourselves is to get off foreign oil. And so there, again, is is a little bit of uh, incentive for solar and wind and things like that. But let me tell you, solar and wind, it's very expensive, and it's not very efficient. Mm. I mean, you think about it. Uh, you know, for me, on a personal level, you know, looking for something with, with low harmonic distortion, uh, in terms of an inverter, that alone, you know, is pretty close to $6,000. That That's... For most people they can't afford that. That's... So in this bad economy it's just not practical for the average person. But on an industrial scale, yeah, this will help us get off off oil and I predict that in two thousand ten you're gonna see some interest in this. It's not gonna be economically viable for investors. It's not the place to go. Not yet. I think maybe if we survive, you know, the Obama administration if if we we get through this uh, we might see some uh, future investment in that area because we have to go there, but not now. Well, there's it's oil.
2: I've been reading a number of uh, different predictions online from various notable, uh, you know, psychics and, and and people who follow trends, and everybody seems to be pointing to the idea that the economy is going to get a lot worse in 2010. Is that similar to what you're seeing?
3: I'm I'm seeing a correction now. Look, here's how I see it. Things are never as bad as they seem, nor are they ever as good. Most people look at the stock market. they will always be trading, no matter how bad the world economy gets. That's why I trade. You will always have trade. You will always have world trade. It be world war. It doesn't matter. I see a major correction coming uh, in 2010, no later than 2011, but I see it sometime after the second quarter, and I really think it will be close around there. Now, it depends on a road sign, which is if Iran is preemptively bombed, then you're, that's a road sign. It doesn't It doesn't relate to it directly, but it does have some relevance. The Straits, if they're closed off, you know, that's 40% of the world's oil right there, choked off for a short time. That's going to cause oil to go up $140 a barrel, uh, you name it. But the thing is, uh, in that uh, probability, right, Iran – Right now, it looks like it's probably going to be bombed. It's going to resist all sanctions. I predict that. That's a, that's a given. My name's on that. They will not respond to sanctions. But I can tell you that, uh, you know, this situation is very severe for us economically because if that happens, then I see what follows. It's like a domino effect. Our economy will tank. You're going to see a depression enter the West if Iran is bombed. That's if that happens. If not, then you're going to see the recession drag on. You're going to see stagflation start to rear its ugly head this year. And we're, we're going to drag along for the next 10 years. Our housing market, it's, it's going to it's forever to get this taken care of. It's its in the ditch. It's over for us in terms of our greatest pyramid, our greatest peak in prosperity. Our children that we see today are not going to have a better Time than we did, and their children are going to have a, you know, have it worse than they are having in the future. So, uh, in other words, we're falling apart in terms of uh, prosperity, in terms of, of really good outcomes for our children collectively. But individually, you're going to see people. You know, and now, here's something I predict this year. If you become a nonconformist, if you question authority, if you take on that role of just being different than the status quo, just step out and be yourself. The more individual you are in 2010, you're going to be it, because that will set the pace for you in the future for success. Of all those people who do that, those people who are jumping into business or getting into investment – They're going to be very, very wealthy. So you're going to see this wide gap between rich and poor begin on a a rapid scale, on a very wide scale, uh, around the world, especially here in the West. You're going to see a wide gap between rich and poor. So you're going to have many people becoming very rich, but many people becoming very poor. Middle class, gone. Mm
2: -hmm. Well, uh, there's – I mean, I don't want to get too bogged down in the conspiracy theory of it all, but – there's a, a number of theories out there that the reason why we had such a, a boom and now this bust is because the powers that be are trying to set us up for a, a one-world government uh, controlled by the powerful and the rich. Is, is that anything that's coming up on your radar at all?
3: No, no. In fact, I, I don't believe in conspiracy. I, don't, I believe in stupidity. Mm-hmm. I just think that, that we're being insane. For example, uh, going into Afghanistan now, this is not about terrorism. This is That's just ridiculous. Nobody in their right mind would ever believe that. It's about a strategic location with respect to China and Russia, ultimately. It's also about oil. It's simply about a matter of national security. Oil is still very important, and the country that gets the oil controls the world. They control energy. Energy is power. We have people in Washington, uh, you know, bless them, they're, they're in this Cold War mentality, many of them, and they still think this way. They still think about that period of time in history that many of us, you and I, many of our dear listeners here, we don't think like that, so we can't relate. They don't relate to us, but they're still stuck in that mindset, and they want dominance in the region. They want to have influence in the region. Israel, for example, uh, and I love the the Israelis, but I tell you, it's simply a base for uh, the U.S. military. It's a U.S. military base. It's simply a place where we can have influence in the region to watch over it, to have influence over oil. We're only there for oil. We are not there for terrorism. In fact, what we're doing in Afghanistan right now is not only going to bankrupt us. It will absolutely fail, and it's the reason why President Obama will not be re-elected in, in 2012. He will not be reelected. This was his biggest blunder. He could have been a great president. and We would not have terrorism today. We would not have radicalization of youth within the region if we had not gone into Afghanistan. With insufficient numbers of troops, we are bound to fail this. This is going to destroy us. We would, The subject of health care would be moot if we simply took the money that we're spending on Afghanistan and spent it on American citizens who need health care, who need money. They need help. Instead, we are spending billions upon billions of dollars on a war that we are absolutely destined to fail. My name's on that. I've been complaining about this and talking about it day one, and I was hoping that this – president, who was largely elected by anti-war sentiment people, people who were really against this kind of thinking. This guy just did a 180. He just He's following the same policies of President Bush, which will absolutely fail us. This is his biggest blunder. He could have been a great president. But this will make sure that his approval rating drops, sinks, and I predict that the Republicans, you know is what I call them. Uh, Believe me, I'm not a Republican. Uh, Believe me, they're going to do better than expected in the 2010 elections because of this. And there's a a lot of uh, public outcry against this war that you're not hearing about in the media. And the thing about it, we are poor out here in this country. We are falling apart. And so when we see our children out there on the altar of human sacrifice... We need to ask the question, why are we sending our children to die in Afghanistan? Well, why are we doing that? It's for oil. It's mm-hmm. not for security. That's just a load of crap. That's just simply nonsense. And the Obama administration, they know this. Just the general population out there doesn't want to know it, and they should know it, because our children are dying for a lie that is the Afghanistan war. And it's radicalizing the youth over there, and it's causing terrorism to happen here. And I predict... I predict, and this is based upon some recent discoveries that I've made, uh, and uh, using the subconsciousness, uh, using the subconscious, uh, and uh, I predict that we will have a terrorist strike upon American soil. Now, I know you have a a file there similar to the prediction I made of Michael Jackson. Now, remember, this is about the future, this is not about the past. Mm -hmm. And generally, you have a period about three to four months from the time that this. Takes place that the probability is most apparent that it will be there, so we need to be on guard for this and pay attention to this because this involves a tunnel. This doesn't involve something in the air, uh, but this this seems to involve something uh, that I refer to as the Blue Rose data. Now I can't say too much more on the air because this is very serious, very serious matter. Uh, this is fait Complete terrorism will hit American soil. It's done. People are going to die. We must accept it. And remember, more people die falling down from stairs each year. And the way that we allow terrorism to beat us is to fear it, to become paranoid, to lose our freedoms for a false sense of security. We need to stop thinking like that. Because terrorism is going to hit the United States. It's coming for us. And it will happen on Obama's watch. It will deeply embarrass his administration and his whole effort, so he claimed, was for American security. No matter how high our level of security is, they will still hit us.
2: Why don't we take a break, and when we come back, we'll play that clip, and we'll play the prediction, and we'll uh, get uh, Aaron's take on what it's all about. We'll also play a previous prediction that he made about something that uh, was a, a very hot topic a few months ago, about a year ago, and still on the minds of many today. So we'll be right back with more with Aaron C. Hansen here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back.
2: All right, welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. And before we get back into the discussion with Aaron C. Hansen, tonight's guest, I just want to say thank you to uh, Penny Dreadful and the gang for the nice Happy Holidays card that we found waiting for us at the studio, and Happy Holidays to you guys as well. And uh, a Guru must have been busy. That, uh They had a blue moon this month, so two full moons in one month, so he he must have been uh going crazy with that. So hopefully all is well with Penny Dreadful and the gang, and hopefully you all had a great holiday, and you're all looking forward to 2010. Aaron Hansen is here to talk with us about some of the predictions he's making for 2010, and... Aaron, before the break, we mentioned the prediction that you'd made about the terrorist attack. But before we get into that and play that one, let's take a step back a little bit to 2007 when you made the prediction, uh, the 666 prediction. Let's play that, and then we can discuss kind of what happened so that people will take that into account when they hear the prediction about the terrorist attack. Matt, you got that fired up?
3: Six and six
4: exactly six dc perhaps two to the day
0: this is a pack the of the it's fine man in man slides in hand. may area we shall be released
2: so there you have it. There's the prediction. Aaron, just kind of talk everybody through what the prediction was that you were making and, and what you found when you reversed it.
3: Yeah. No, that's, uh, this is the technology that I'm using to predict the future terrorist attack. It's the same thing. Now, what's happening there is I predicted that on the sixth day of the sixth month uh, and with an accent on the third six, which was unusual, and I wondered about that. And what came about was something very interesting. It was the sixth phase announced by the WHO and other organizations of the pandemic. Now, what's interesting, the sixth phase of this disease, and now notice that I uh, spoke about in, in an altered state, uh, no no Ill, illegal drugs are ever used. Uh, this is using technology, light, sound, and entrainment that I've developed over years and years to do this. Now, the thing about this, this is, helps me access non-historical sources of information via a certain area of the brain, which is nothing like psychic functioning, which is historical. Now, uh, this I predicted that this was going to be swine-related, and back then everyone was concerned about H5N1. Everyone was concerned about bird flu. Mm -hmm. So I made a prediction of something going from swine to human to human. Uh, And that's quite clear in that prediction. It's very, very interesting because exactly... On the sixth day of the sixth month following that prediction, you had uh, an announcement uh, that the the virus was entering a sixth phase of infectious uh, relations between vectors and so on between people. So uh, what's interesting about that is that I predicted as well uh, April to June prior to that when there would be an outbreak. So not only did I predict the month, but the CDC had recently announced in, in historical reference, uh, this was given to me from a friend who's read this and it, it blew his mind, um, that the CDC announced that from April to June, in fact, that's when the outbreak began. So I predicted the month, the day, the exact time, and the exact uh, kind of virus that would be attacking people, and that this, I predict, is not going to go away. In fact, H5N1 isn't gone. I'm very concerned about a third mutation. I'm very, very concerned about H5N1 coming back. I'm also very concerned about H1N1. Uh, there's a, a black lung situation overseas right now, uh, it, it, just a, a terrible version of H1N1, which is destroying lung tissue. This could uh, become the dominant virus, uh, but listen, folks. This could come back, and I'm predicting that you're going to see this in the news this fall in 2010. You're going to have a problem with this. You're going to have to pay attention to this. And, uh, again, uh, we've done, uh, you know, the CDC, to their credit, they've done a great job in educating people, and they've kept the infectious rates very low based upon education. People are washing their hands. They're more considerate towards each other. They're not coughing on each other and so on in subways. Um, just here in New York, I noticed that people are very conscious of this during you know the peak of all this as it was announced in the news. So um, I think you're going to see more and more intervention on this side of things. You're going to see more drug resistance. So um, I, I invested in GlaxoSmithKline because of the drug is, uh, resistance, uh, and that was a good investment last year. So uh, you might want to consider that next year in case this happens. So watch that, folks, because this could come back to haunt you year after year and kill.
2: I'll say one thing about the swine flu, though. It's it's uh, it's given people manners again <laughs> because now they won't cough on you because they're worried about swine flu when you shouldn't be coughing on somebody anyway.
3: That's right. And and so, you know, uh, these infectious diseases really hurt everybody, and it stops productivity in this great country of ours. So... Uh, we don't, we don't really talk about this very much, but our productivity went way down during this, uh, this peak of the infectious rate. So during the peak of the H1N1. And even though it wasn't killing people because the weaker strain became dominant, the virus cloud produced a weaker strain that dominated all others, we got lucky only because of that. So next year, I think that it's quite possible that something, uh, deadlier could become, uh, the strain that that dominates all others so be careful folks and uh, again uh, you know pay attention to the news pay attention to the cdc and the who and watch these charts and watch what goes on with these infectious rates because this is here to stay folks it's here and something worse could come back next year and year after that after that
2: Uh,
3: we're overpopulated on this planet
2: well, we're um, we're coming up soon on the news here, so we want to make sure we get this huge prediction that you've made uh, into the program tonight. And and Matt, we're going to play the clip here of it, and uh, then we'll discuss what's being told. But this is again in one of these altered states that you achieve to, to make these predictions. Yes. Yeah. All right. Here we go.
1: A terrorist attack will at last touch American soil. Oil shallow <laughs>
2: So uh, when you hear it in the forward, you hear a terrorist attack will last such American soil, and then in the reverse, I'll see very much dust, tunnel, and ashes all, all pop up.
3: Yes, yeah, so it's, it's very strange. In fact, that was, spying, it was just chilling for me because uh, generally there's a window of about three months, three to four months following this, in which you've got to watch out for this. And my question is, is this truly a definite thing? Is it? Can we stop this? Can we can we find out what this is and put an end to it? Is this part of our functioning where we can look at a probability and nail it down? I want to know. That's that's why this is really important that we look at this this technology and we pay attention here and that we look at, at my past history and look at, at my accuracy and know that I'm not very special in this. I have the same brain that our listeners have, that you have, we all have this. We can all do this. And, it, you know, the only way people are going to really understand this is do it themselves. And I, I predict that in 2010 more and more people are going to be looking at the prophetic functioning of their own brain. They're going to access this. And, good, you know, I want someone to come out there and be, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have someone better than myself? I could learn from I'm the only one. I'm the best there is. I don't like that. So uh, very soon I'll be teaching this to many, many people. I don't charge anything for what I do. Uh, I make a lot of money uh, using this technology to invest. And so this speaks for itself. But when it comes to our security in this great country, this is something we cannot afford right now. And our policies overseas, regardless of why it's happening, I can tell you it's radicalizing youth overseas. It's causing terrorism. And it doesn't matter if that's the reason. This isn't justice for America. We've got to stop this. We have a terrorist attack coming for us. It will hit us. Here on U.S. soil,
2: and apparently related to a tunnel in some fashion.
3: Yes, and I can't go into too much more of this, uh, and <laughs> for obvious reasons. But it, it is involving a tunnel. It's not in the air. It's not going to be. You know, it's not something like that. This is the successful terrorist attack will be in a tunnel, and it will be in a major city. That's as far as I can go with this. I may have gone too far with that major city comment, but uh, uh, you can bet there'll be more on this later when I'm allowed to talk about it.
2: All right. Well, we'll definitely keep an eye on things, and, and we'll keep in touch with you about that. We have about four minutes left. Can you just tell us about your your, your new medium, uh, prophetic – I'm sorry, uh, spiritual art?
3: Yes. Um, it, it, it's rather funny. Uh, now, I see President Obama becoming the very monster he intends to destroy with his terrorism. He's becoming the war president. He's becoming everything that he was not elected to be. He's going to be the great disappointment, and he's going to cause major problems with race relations. I mean, this guy's ruining it for all future African-American presidents. Uh, you know, he's really uh, – I hope that's not true. I don't want it to be true. But here's the situation. This guy is not true to his word. He should not have gone to Afghanistan. His platform for going into the presidency did not involve being a wartime president. He didn't have to go to Afghanistan. If he hadn't done it, there wouldn't be terrorism today. That's how I see it. This is a spiritual war. Islam, or, you know, Muslims, this is one of the fastest growing religions in the world. It doesn't mean we need to be enemies, you know, between the West and the Muslim world. We don't need to be enemies. Absolutely not. It is a peaceful religion. It doesn't need to be this way. What he's doing is dividing the world between Christians and Muslims and everything else. This has got to stop. He is not the uniter, as he once appeared. He can still save his presidency, he can still save his platform and all the people had hoped uh, had hoped for by pulling all of our troops out of Afghanistan now, yesterday if possible, and apologizing. He's got to do this, and he's got to give it back his Nobel Peace Prize, because he is not earning it. That's for sure.
2: Well, that that's definitely true. The uh, And even he admitted as much when he received it, that uh, he wasn't the most deserving candidate.
3: Well, I give him credit for that. It, look he's a I personally I like the guy, but right now he's failing the American people, he's failing the world, and he's a great disappointment to the muslim world they They fear him. think about drones. How would you like to live under that terrorism at any moment? This could be killing your family to get you know some enemy of the United States, albeit. That's probably a good idea to get the enemy, but not when it comes to indiscriminately killing anyone in a building, family and children. There's surviving people surrounding that, the family members, our future terrorists, who will be coming after us forever. We need to stop this. Think about living under the threat of drones alone. This is insane. You know, you go back to Philip K. Dick, you know, and you think about what he had to say Uh, about the human condition. This sums up all of his great work. It is entropy. It is the test. Entropy is the test. That's what we need to become. We need to think and feel what other people are feeling, not just talk about it. We need to try to think about this and stop being apart from entropy.
2: Well, thank you for joining us, Aaron, and making these predictions. It's thepropheticlight.com is your website linked up on the front page of spookysouthcoast.com, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you down the line. And and hopefully, hopefully, this prediction about the terrorist attack doesn't come true. But it sounds like you're pretty convinced. So, I guess anybody in the major cities be cautious of the tunnels. All right, we'll be right back with more after the news. We'll do the week and weird, and then we'll have a Balzano breakdown about predictions. Coming up in hour two. So stay tuned for more here on Spooky South Coast.
1: From the sub way Band, broadcasting around the galaxy, around the clock. And we'll be saying a big hello to all intelligent life forms everywhere. And to everyone else out there, the secret is to bang the rocks together, guys.
0: Oh, all right, then.
1: Spooky South Coast is burned. Holy cow. <laughs>
4: i not afraid. You will <laughs> be.
1: You will You will You know the
2: Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. You know, last week I mentioned uh, that I was looking for more PlayStation Network friends, Matt, and I actually got one. I'm assuming it's a listener because it just showed up out of nowhere. Did you? Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. So thank you. And anybody else that wants to look me up on PlayStation Network, I'm Spooky Tim. And then uh, if you if Matt Costa deems you worthy, he'll send you a friend request, too. So. Yeah. surprised to find out that you, they actually limit the number of friends you can have
4: I, I, I didn't think uh they did that I didn't think I didn't people know. that
2: sat around playing Playstation that much had to what worry is the about one? that I don't know, we have to ask Brian because yeah. he hit it he actually had to delete somebody to add me the um the, the other thing too is I had also said anybody that wants to be my Wii friend you know you could ask me yeah screw that <laughs> that was a hard thing <laughs> to do, I was trying to link up with my parents because they were Gifting us some software, uh. and what a pain in the neck that was! It's almost more work to uh, to hook up with somebody as a wee friend uh, than it is to actually get up and do like Wii Fit. So yeah. it's more of a mental workout than anything. But we talk video games a lot on this show, don't we? That's all right. I'm th- I'm gonna be 32 years old on Monday. That's that's my life. That's that's like. No, seriously, like, what do I do for, for free time? I mean, I work a lot. I try to spend some time with my family when yeah. I can. I'm trying to learn how to play the guitar and I play video games. That's it. And this, of course, spooky yeah. South Coast. But I've, i I look at this less of a hobby and more as a job. You know? <laughs> but in a good way. You know, like, I look okay. at it as it's like career potential. Yeah. But it does cost a fortune to put this show on every year. It does. We figured it out. It, uh, it costs a small fortune. So what, what I think we're gonna do in the coming weeks, <laughs> Is I think we're going to put a a PayPal donate, but I'm really against this in general. But the economy is terrible. And as terrible as the economy is, our meager paychecks are even more meager. Uh, So, you know, this show is not produced by WBSM. It's produced by us independently. All the website charges, all the podcasting charges, those all come out of our own pockets. Uh, So I think what we might do is we might put a PayPal donate button up on the website. SpookySouthCoast.com, and anybody that wants to just throw something our way, a buck, two bucks, five bucks, ten bucks, a thousand dollars, whatever, alright, a thousand dollars is too much, we don't need that much, but uh, wh- what I think we'll do is I think we'll put, you know, you know how like when you have certain charities, they have like a goal, mm-hmm. we'll put what our goal is, what it's going to cost us to operate the show for the year, and it's not high, it's like two or three hundred dollars, so we'll put that up there, and then anything that we raise over that, we will donate to a charity.
1: We'll, that sounds cool.
2: We'll we'll find a a very good charity to donate it to. Uh, if we do it like within the next month or so, you know it'll be right around the time of the anniversary of the Station Fire, so we can donate to the say, Station Fire uh, Fund.
1: Being a Mason, I can hook us up with the Shriners.
2: Absolutely. There's so so many outlets out there, and we work with so many great charities. Rock for Christmas, Dreams Come True. There's so many of these organizations that we're closely tied into as well. That any donations that are made would would certainly go to good use, and. um also, it will help the listeners hopefully feel like they own a piece of the show. You know, it's uh, well. Maybe we can even make up a little certificate to everybody that donates. You know, uh, uh, a share in Spooky South Coast. Well, why not? I mean, they, the yeah. listeners yeah. should feel like it's their show too because we mm-hmm. do it for them. You know, it's we've reached the point now where we no longer have to have a radio uh, microphone in front of us to be able to call these people and have our own questions answered. You know, we can email these people. We can call them. We have their phone numbers and their MySpace names and their Twitter accounts and everything. <clears throat> we can get a hold of people if we want our own edification to be edified. This is—we're doing this solely for the listeners, and so they should feel like it's their show, and they should feel like they can own a piece of it. So for only $19.95, <laughs> but uh, no, we'll do that. And if if anybody wants to make a donation, email me tim at Spooky dot and we'll set it up. And uh, I promise you, we will not keep anything more than what we need. To operate the program, anything extra will go to helping others now, should we happen to be on the other end of one of those charities because we're so poor <laughs> i mean <laughs> uh, that's just uh that's just coincidence <laughs> no i don't want I don't want anybody to feel like we're doing this to line our pockets so like I said, I don't even feel comfortable doing it to begin with, but uh you know it's it, it, it's 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 costly. And while we're certainly not going to stop doing the program, we're not going to shut down the website, we're not going to end the podcasting, um, it, it would help. So We're just broke. Yeah, we are broke. <laughs> we are broke. All right. Well, I guess uh, when you're sitting here contemplating how poor you are and, and how bleak your financial prospects are, the only thing left to do is to get a little weird.
1: More bad news. Well, i got a great show for you today with some wonderful
4: weird stuff. I feel, I feel
2: so very weird. The Weekend Weird. All right, our first story comes from sfgate.com, which is out in the San Francisco area. Harold Camping lets out a hearty chuckle when he considers the people who believe the world will end in 2012. That date is not one stitch of biblical authority, Camping says, from the Oakland office where he runs Family Radio, an evangelical station that reaches listeners around the world. It's like a fairy tale. The real date for the end of times, he says, is in 2011. The minds in the recent Hollywood movie 2012 have put the apocalypse in the popular mind this year, but Camping has been at the business for a long time, while Armageddon is pop science or big-screen entertainment to many, Camping has been has followers from the Bay Area to China. The 88-year-old Camping has scrutinized the Bible for almost 70 years, and says he has developed a mathematical system to interpret prophecies hidden within the Good Book. One night a few years ago, a civil engineer by trade, Camping, crunched the numbers and was stunned at what he'd found. <coughs> oh, excuse me. The world will end on May 21st, 2011. That's somebody's birthday, but I know. This is not the first time Camping has made a bold prediction about Judgment Day. On September 6, 1994, dozens of Camping's believers gathered inside Alameda's Veterans Memorial Building to await the return of Christ, an event Camping had promised for two years. Followers dressed children in their Sunday best and held Bibles open-faced toward heaven. But the world did not end. Camping allowed that he may have made a mathematical error. He spent the next decade running new calculations, coming up with a new conclusion, May twenty first, 2011. So... Get your stuff together, folks, because that's a lot sooner than December 21st, 2012. Uh, speaking of which, uh, coming up in, what's today, the second? Next week, January 9th, we'll be joined by Alexandra Bruce, uh, who has a new book and a film out on 2012. So we'll talk to her about the 2012 prediction. and uh, just it's, it's something that we haven't really touched upon, and, and I know a number of listeners have been asking. So we'll get to it. And so we were going to try to be on the air December 21st, 2012. Now I guess we got to do May 21st, 2011, too. Mm-hmm. We'll look it up later. Maybe it's a Saturday. All right, Matt Costa, what do you have for us?
4: All right. Uh, from the Daily Mail. A man in the U.S. has bought an item on Amazon with a price tag of nearly $3 billion. Just to see what would happen. Wow, what are the user fees? <laughs> Brian Klug uh, spotted a copy of Discovery Channel's Cell CD-ROM for sale for... $2,904,980,000. Out of sheer curiosity, convinced the the price tag was a mistake, he put in his credit card details to buy it and step back to see what would happen next. This guy must be really uh, secure with his credit. <laughs> Mr. Klug posted a link on Reddit.com. Uh, with his email confirmation order from Amazon, providing that he had indeed purchased the CD-ROM for uh, two billion nine hundred four four million nine hundred eighty thousand dollars, plus three ninety-nine shipping. I couldn't even do free shipping. <laughs> Mr. Clug posted on the Reddit website links to Amazon site and confirmation for his purchase. One uh, Reddit commentator posted, "This is going to be to end poorly. I can feel it." Might be a good morning to buy Amazon stock," wrote another. While the third pointed out that if Mr. Clug had had an Amazon Visa card with a three uh, percent rewards, this would entitle him to roughly eighty-seven million dollars in rewards. Luckily, Mr. Luckily for Mr. Clug, however, Amazon does not charge users credit cards until their order has been. Uh, Entered the packaging process. So, he lucked out. I
2: was going to say, <coughs> sounds like uh, you're trying to buy a copy of uh, R. Gary Patterson's original book, Hellhounds on Their Trail.
4: Uh, apparently this, you can only play on uh, Windows 98. so
2: <laughs> Which you can
4: probably get. That's, that's why they didn't send it out. Because they don't make it. Yeah, you can probably get Windows 98. Pretty cheap. Yeah, I'm, that, I'm, that I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure though. you could at least get Windows Seven for three billion dollars.
2: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh. All right. Well, now I'm gonna go home and make a Jesus grilled cheese and put that up on eBay, so I can get my. <laughs> Anybody ever wonder if maybe the, <clears throat> maybe maybe somebody made like a, a stamp of cheese or something that people can like kind of push into maybe. their grilled cheese or something or into I, I, I'm
4: pretty sure when I was a kid, I had a toaster that burned like donatello yeah into, uh... i want to get the darth vader toaster because it looks like <laughs> darth vader
1: all right i was gonna say my neighbor's kiln's got a perfect impression from a burn that looks like Jimi hendrix
2: nice that might actually be the ghost of jimmy You're hendrix <laughs> in contact with you <laughs> yeah all right Moniz. what do you have for us
1: all right listen eight hours uh before the arrival of 2010 hilltown police began what was likely their strangest investigation of 2009 on Revere Drive, just off Chalfont Road, there was pink snow everywhere. They called the Federal Aviation Administration to see if strange substances could be falling from the that had, could have been falling from the sky could have come from a plane. It was covering the entire length of roofs of several homes, said Officer Matthew Reese. I picked up the snow, and uh, it had no odor or oily texture. As police continue to probe the mystery of the pink snow, uh, a, a resident came out and told Reese that uh, her son went on the internet and he found the culprit. She said that it is watermelon snow, as from an algae whose name I would not try to pronounce. Said Reese, "The algae, the algae are, uh, yeah, I see why you wouldn't want to, yeah, try, to try to pronounce it either." <laughs> no. Or. Uh, or or snow algae that owed their red color to bright red uh, carotenoid pigments, which basically is red light. Uh, according to uh, National Geographic website, the snow algae, like all algae, are green at heart, and the red comes from a secondary pigment, usually in a dormant stage in winter. At times, they wake up and germinate and squirm their way up through ice crystals towards the snow, coloring it. He said the pink snow was only on the sections of roof that faced the sun, which makes sense.
2: So the pink snow uh, that that comes from phillyburbs.com, So this is outside Philadelphia. So the pink snow that fell turns out that it's actually safe. It's the yellow snow, snow that you have yeah. to worry about. So I used I used to roll mm. around in pink snow when I was a kid too, and then I found out it was fiberglass insulation. <laughs> <And laughs>
3: Explains a lot. Yeah, explains a
2: lot. <laughs> Did you read paint chips as a kid? <laughs> Why? All right, that does it for the Week and Weird for this week. Uh, if you have a story you'd like to share with us, just go to SpookySouthCoast.com, click on the forum tab, go to the Week in Weird thread, drop the story or a link to it in there, and if we use it on the air, we'll give you a Spooky South Coast bumper sticker. And right now, we're going to give you a commercial break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to give you the Balzano breakdown. Chris Balzano joins us to talk about predictions and the predicting business. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
1: Are All right,
2: welcome back to Spooky when South Coast. And, you know, we were just discussing some programming notes off the air, but now we'll share them with you as well. I mentioned earlier that next week we'll have Alexandra Bruce, uh, discussing her book on 2012, and we'll talk about the predictions of the Mayan calendar and whether or not the year is, you know, whether or not a time is going to end on December 21st, 2012. Uh, hopefully not, because I still have a lot of stuff I want to get done, and I don't think that's enough time to get it done. <laughs> and then, uh, coming up the week after that, we're going to have Steve Bassett of the Paradigm Research Group. He's going to be talking to us about some new initiatives that they have coming up, as well as the year in review 2009 in Exopolitics then uh, we'll have a couple of shows <coughs> excuse me at the end of the month and then February 6th is going to be a huge show for me personally because I love the Beatles and I love the chance that we any chance we have to play Beatles music Matt you and I can fight off there whether it's going to be the remasters or the original mono's oh. but uh we're going to have uh joining us Jonas Gota, who uh who wrote a book called The Lennon Prophecy and it's I heard him on coast to coast with Gary Patterson and It's a a fascinating argument that John Lennon may have signed a deal with the devil, and that helps explain a lot of the popularity of the Beatles, a lot of their talent, uh, as well as some of the strange statements and strange uh, relationship that John Lennon had with religion. So we'll talk about that with Joe, uh, and we'll discuss just so many of the... Various different things that have popped up around the Beatles music and Beatles culture in general. We're going to be doing that on February 6th, which is when we go from the 6th to the 7th. You know how we're, we're on at midnight. We make that changeover. We'll be going into the 46th anniversary of the day the Beatles touched down in New York City. Uh, so, I don't know. I, I think it's cool. I know, Matt, I know you don't love the Beatles, but you at least respect them. Yeah. And you at least uh, appreciate the Monies. I don't know your feelings on, be- on the Beatles.
1: Just let it be.
2: All right, we'll stick with that then. (laughs) Everybody's got something to hide except for me and my monkey. And speaking of my monkey, he's on the phone with us right now. Joining us for the second in his series of Balzano Breakdowns, it's Christopher Balzano. You know him from MassCrossroads.com as well as his many books, including Picture Yourself Capturing Ghosts on Film, which is the latest one. And Chris, welcome back. Happy New Year to you.
0: Happy New Year to you three of you fools and uh happy birthday to you Tim as well.
2: <clears throat> thank you, thank you. The big three too.
0: That gets me out of uh, having to call you on Monday, so Absolutely,
2: yeah. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be uh receiving so many well wishes and and birthday calls and congratulations and everything. No, everybody forgets my birthday.
0: <laughs> Come you know like hey, two um, weeks after Christmas. I would never forget your birthday. I two. get like constant oh. reminders on Facebook, so I'm all set. That's true, and that's true.
2: I unfortunately uh I, I forget to, to put a fake birthday in there, and I put my real one in there, so you know you get the the uh, the birthday quizzes sent to you, and you know, uh, the, the various birthday crap that gets sent to you. I love all the uh, random um, website emails too. Like happy birthday from WBSM. Although I do appreciate getting that get one.
0: Those. I don't even get those, so I, you know. Matt, do you think we can set up an annoying
2: birthday thing for people on our (laughs) mailing list? I don't know, maybe. Yeah, let's do it.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, it's funny you should say that because when I was in high school, my principal told me uh, that I would never amount to anything. And I said, I could grow up to be president one day. And he said, you will never be president. I guarantee you, right? And he was a holy man. I guarantee you you will never be president. He, like, kind of poked my chest with his finger the way principals are supposed to do. And now I just find out by listening to Spooky South Coast Three days before my birthday, my 35th, when I'm actually eligible to become president, the world's going to end. So he was completely right about one thing.
2: <laughs> that's all that other stuff that you yeah, still question, but that's but that's what your job is. Your job is to look at things and question and to to wonder why and how. And that's why we have you come on and do these Balzano breakdowns. The the one about Twilight that's that funny. we did was a huge success. I mean, I'm still hearing from people that you know mostly. High school girls that listen to it and and say, you know, he actually knew what he was talking about. <laughs> he actually yeah, knew well, something you know, about so, Twilight.
0: <laughs> to become the patron saint of teenagers is my uh, is my goal in life. So
3: uh,
0: <laughs> maybe I, maybe I should direct some of my my current students to to listen in for a little bit, so they don't uh, hate me as much.
2: Well, but I mean, but that was the interesting thing about it is that you did know the material, and so when you're trying to explain, you know, the cultural significance of it and the the background, and you know. Um, just human obsession with the idea of vampires, you know. And then they're taking a step back and they're saying, "Wait, it is more than just, you know, the love story between whatever her name is and the pale face guy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and the hairy guy." Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, you know, and and we need to notice that. Uh, and like I said, I'm working on one or another that's really a book that's really involved with uh, the connection between teenagers, especially in the occult. You need to look at the fact that even if you don't think it is, these people are being influenced by it, and so they're not, they're being influenced by it because they're susceptible because it's universal.
2: Well, one thing that we are very influenced by, at least in in these modern times, is the idea of predictions and these psychics who, you know, that they, they permeate the airwaves. We have them on this show all the time, and it's and we're not discrediting people's abilities necessarily by by saying this, but it's one of those things where. You either have it or you don't, and even if you don't, you might be able to fake it.
0: Yeah, and I think we need to make a distinction between psychics, which some people use on investigations or some people use to um, to get in touch with parts of themselves or know about, and predictions, which is uh, kind of going out there and saying uh, something that is going to happen, which is not necessarily personally connected to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, hopefully, tonight we're going to be talking about this. Uh, kind of these worldly predictions, these things like, you know, something bad going off on a, on a on a subway or underground as opposed to, you know, this year Chris Balzano will do this. Well, um, And it's those universal ones that are really tricky um, because there is no personal connection. And so I, I, I'm really hesitant to believe these predictions when I hear them.
2: Well, we had Aaron Hansen on earlier, and, and as you mentioned there, he did make the prediction about uh, the potential for a, a terrorist attack on a tunnel in a major American city. And that's a pretty specific prediction to make. I mean, he's, he's putting his name on that and he's putting his reputation on the line, making these predictions. And, you know, you hope that it doesn't come true. But if it does, then it shows that he was on the money. And th- that's at least a little bit specific. I mean, a lot of these predictions are so general that you can right. kind of tell that they're hedging their bets when they make them.
0: Right, and then, of course, the more specific it is, the more um, you can kind of put faith in the person that's saying it. Of course, it's after the fact that these people have to go back and say out of the 78 that I made for this year, one of them came true, um, which if we all sat down and kind of, and this was an experiment I was going to do before, you know, unfortunate circumstances here, but um, I was going to just go through and be like, all right, let me take a somewhat famous person and predict... What they said this year for 2010 and go back the last 10 years and see if I can find something that relates to it. Uh, in other words, these things, even though they seem very specific, are hitting on things that have already happened, um, things that are kind of, of, of common occurrences, things that happen in cycles. Um, and then, much like, you know, uh, once again, psychics that are not necessarily the best psychics, you remember their hits and not their misses. So if this guy says this, but he made eighty-seven others, which didn't seem so to your guess, he seemed pretty specific and pretty narrow in his scope. Um, then he really have to start questioning. Well, oh, yeah, but what about the other seventy things that you said that didn't come true? Like, how exactly psychic can you be?
2: Well, I mean, I always say that uh, there's only two careers where you can do your job right twenty-five percent of the time, and and still make a living at it. One is, you know, predicting, and the other is, you know, being a baseball hitter. But. Uh, <laughs> Really, right. I mean, any any other job, it's it's like uh, you know you need to perform at a higher level than that. But it's because so many times when they do make that hit, it's a significant hit,
0: right? And then and then once again, if it's not if it's open to interpretation, which is you know perfect for kind of some of the other stuff I want to talk about. It, but if you take someone like Nostradamus, who is you know kind of the granddaddy of, of predictors, people often translate what he has said and find the symbolism and the beauty in what he wrote and relate it to something. And so when, oftentimes when a tragedy happens, we then look back and say, oh, Nostradamus said this, mm-hmm. you know, three, 400 years ago.
2: And he set it up in such a way that it's easy to read into that because of the, the way that it's worded and the quatrains trains and all that, that you can, it's it's not specific.
0: Right, and in his time, I believe, and, and I'm sure your, your <laughs> listeners will will, uh, will tell me if I'm wrong, but I, uh, I believe in his time, he only predicted one thing that actually happened in his time, and it actually came to be. Um, and once again, even that was kind of open to interpretation.
2: That was the score of Super Bowl three. <laughs> so he picked the Jets.
1: Actually, he picked a number of different events that happened. At his own
0: and time? Was, uh, yes. I'm yeah. trying to, I'm, the, the one that really stands out is the, um, the Pope. The, was it was a prince who lost his
1: eyes. Well, not only that, he also predicted a certain uh, bishop would become Pope uh, that he met. Uh, there were several other things that went along with uh, the Black Plague. Uh, and contrary to what you guys were saying, he gave specific dates by giving astrological signs as this, when this is The moon is in this house and this thing. Well,
2: I mean, in terms of time, I mean, we're sometimes you know we say okay, he's speaking about Hitler, he's speaking about Saddam Hussein. That's where it's a little subjective.
1: It gets subjective, but he put, but like I said, he gives the dates, the time frame. Okay, now, yeah, they're very vague in general. You can say it's you know, it's about Hitler. Could be that. Could be Golda Meir. Could have been you know, could have been a whole number of people.
2: Well, uh, Chris. With modern-day psychics, though, with modern-day predictors, it's a little bit different because, you know, now you're on record in a ver- in various other ways. You know, back then, you could always pull the book out of print if uh, you turned out not to be right. But now they're putting themselves out there in multimedia ways, and they're held more accountable for these predictions.
0: Right, and, then, and we lap it up a lot more as well. But once again, I think it has a lot to do with that hit and miss. Um, you know, that when you're with a really bad psychic and they say five things that are wrong, and then one thing that's kind of you can kind of, oh, right, yeah, yeah. It makes you feel like those other things that they said were right as well. So that's what your guess was kind of fascinating, especially with the uh, with the lottery predictions and the first person to say, actually, yeah, are you kidding? I'm rich because of this. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But, I, you know, I think that, you know, the, those those medias we, once again, we forget about, but we will forget about the ones that were wrong, Um if by the end of the year, you know, you, and once again, coast to coast, uh, they always do that when something does happen, they mention, "Up, oh, that was in our prediction show, and yet that's, you know, a four hour long show where a lot of things never happen. So, still yeah. putting themselves out there, um, they get forgotten just as easily, especially because there's 87,000 other things that you needed to do that month that, unless it hit, you
2: forget about it one, one thing too i don't want to get too bogged down in this aspect of the discussion but one thing i've noticed about coast to coast is they kind of go through cycles of uh predictors you know they'll have they'll be riding the coattails of a certain person for a certain amount of time and then they'll kind of get brushed aside when they have a certain number of misses and then a new a new psychic will come into the click and then they'll get their chance and then you know what i mean so it's kind of like you know you've, you've you don't get a whole lot of chance to perform uh, at that level, if, you, if you're not making those connections and you kind of get swept under the rug, do you think there's pressure, uh, amongst these predictors to kind of say a lot of the same things that others are saying? Do you think, like, you know, maybe one person looks at Sylvia Brown's website and says, well, if she's saying this, then I gotta kind of say that too because she has a good track record. Do you think that that exists amongst these, these, uh, forecasters?
0: I think there's some of it, but I think, uh, and once again, going through, a whole bunch of uh, predictions this year from kind of some of the big names. Um, people also want to be the one that got things that other people didn't. Um, so it's kind of like they want those, they want those, uh, those arrows. You know what I'm saying? Those, those kind of like little trinkets that. Oh, yep, I predicted that too. I predicted that too. But you distinguish yourself not by saying what everyone else has said that's come true, but by those ones that kind of stand out that are completely unique.
2: Well, one prediction that seems to be running uh, through a number of um, predictions that have been made by, you know, Sylvia Brown, and I'm trying to think of some of the other names, but the, the, I read a few things online where there was a number of, of predictions for 2010 from various different sources, and there's numerous references to uh, President Obama's daughters, and references to kidnapping attempts, uh, some sort of drama with the daughters, and it seems to be in a number of these predictions. Is that kind of dangerous, do you think, that a number of psychics, mediums, whatever you want to call them, are saying, hey, we're going to have this happen to the president's daughters? Is that kind of possibly putting the idea into people's heads?
0: Um, I think that anyone who is uh, motivated, however unfortunate, motivated enough to attempt something like that, the majority of them, I mean, the vast majority of them, would be isolated enough to not kind of take what psychics have said. Sure. Now, that, that, that kind of out there, there are people who consider themselves, um, and I've found this, I mean, you can go through through some of the assassins, some of the um, classic murder cases, um, people who consider themselves like almost like angels of death, like they hear something in that message that kind of then sparks them. Um, but so many of these people are, I mean, if you really think of what it would take to do something against the first family, um, the kind of planning that that takes in this day and age, um, it really is someone who's probably highly motivated, highly organized, probably connected. Someone you know. We don't have a lot of uh, lone guns, um, lone gun type people who are doing high profile just because of the day, the age that we live in, the security that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't have your your uh, squeaky from type things anymore. And and more importantly, if we do, they're they're found and covered up very quickly.
2: Yeah, I mean that's I, I notice a lot of these. Uh... Uh, predictions too have to deal with possible assassination attempts on Obama, and I I don't think that that's something, you know, you can really go out there and, and say on a lot of these media outlets without having a knock at your door or a phone call, you know, asking you why you're saying these kind of things. And that's even just being, yeah. you know just being a, a psychic. Yeah, and
0: and and I think the most disturbing one I heard from Sylvia Brown was that. The president was going to have a heart attack, and then the, and although she didn't say it was going to be now, she said it was going to be sometime um, between now and I think 2018 or something like yeah, that. It was like, that, tw- that was like be,
2: 2020, yeah.
0: Right, that, that the president's going to suffer a heart attack during negotiations with North Korea, and then the vice president, who's now in control, is going to be. I mean, that's once again one of those things where it's, you know, not very specific, and. I don't know, and, and this is coming out, once again, going back to that whole um, what they present to us and why we kind of enjoy it and why we kind of want it. That's a very romantic, televisionized idea, like to think that the, the I mean, I, what is it, Along Came a Spider, the, the person gets kidnapped, you know, the, the, someone famous, and that, that, because it's so sensational, we want to hear it, even though it may or may not be true. It plays into that whole... Um, that whole that life has got to be plotted, that there's like an actual story behind life as opposed to it's just kind of living itself out and we go back and write the story about it later. Uh, we want that kind of romanticized view of what's going to happen in our future, that kind of scripted uh, opinion of what the future might hold for us. And so those, especially the more sensational you get, the more people kind of lap it up and they want it, they want to hear it, to say something very boring, you know, a bill is going to be passed, no one's going to listen to that. And if we say that, you know, The president's going to have a heart attack, and the vice president's going to get assassinated, and that really kind of draws on these kind of primal, like, give-me-a-good-story things.
2: Well, if you look back, uh, and as I'm sure you have, but when you look back through history and you see how a lot of these um, oh you know, wizards even, these these people who were closely associated to uh, royalty and to people of authority and people of power, they kept them around because they didn't want to take anything to chance. They wanted to have it laid out what their destiny was and exactly how things would play out. And that's gone from being the way to ensure that your your kingdom survives to being, you know, the way that a number of 45-year-old housewives live their life every day. You know, you need to have everything laid out for you Uh, and you can't just leave anything to chance.
0: You know, there was, um, and I've talked about this study before for a different reason, but there was a study out of Baylor that talked about the connection between faith and between religious, being involved in organized religion and the paranormal. But one of the side things that they discovered uh, and that we talked about for quite a while was the fact that the paranormal is a booming business, and even more, predictions and psychics are a booming business because in times of... Um, darkness and times of uncertainty, we want that certainty. So it's no longer just kings, like you're saying, but it's also the average person. They don't know if they're going to have a job. They don't know if the economy is going to turn around. They don't know if, um, you know, the violence is going to increase in their neighborhood because of this, that, or the other thing. And so they turn to psychics. They turn to predictions um, to fill that void, to tell them that, no, no, it's going to be okay. And even if it's not going to be okay, you're going to know about it before it happens. You can yeah. mentally prepare yourself. Peace the world is kind of makes sense. The puzzle has pieces that are being put together. Don't worry about it. There's an ending to it, and so those kind of where everything else in the economy is going down, um, those things are going up. More people are going to personal psychics. More people are are buying into give me predictions about what's going to be happening this year.
2: And so that, in effect, makes that a very profitable industry because, you know, now you have something that is probably. Uh, I'd say it's probably north of a million-dollar industry in this country. And with that happening, you know, why do they need to predict the lottery numbers? Because they're making enough money the other way.
0: Right. And and, it, and it, I think it goes beyond that because at certain times of the year, like when the year switches over, every tabloid has got on their cover, like, splash, like the predictions. And those are huge selling points for people. So when you kind of count those sales into it and things like that, we are talking to the fact that, you know, there's now – The Nostradamus effect on television. There's more, you know. There's more kind of out there that's looking to um, show how the past reveals the future. Um, Those things are probably a lot more, probably much more into the billions than millions, and and it's really it really drives things. And it's not unusual. Um, You know, we can see this time once again because everything is in front of us, and everything is kind of uh, happens to us very fast, and we have access to a lot of information. Um, But if you look back at kind of some of these great prophetic uh, figures that have kind of appeared, um, they come during times of strife like that. You know, so you have, uh, before the Civil War and after the Civil War, these rises of the prophets who had a lot of doomsday, uh, you know, the world's going to end, come join me, and we'll, much like your, your new segment, we'll stand on a mountain and with our Bibles open. Those, you know, the, the rise of those kinds of things happen um, during times of war and during times of uncertainty, and so it, it's There's actually
2: a historical thread throughout
0: that this isn't something new. There's just obviously more of it. Well,
2: I mean, excuse me. the one way to look at that is that, you know, when these times of of ill fortune happen, uh, there's those who prey upon um, those who need the reassurance and and jump in and offer that service. But it's also possible that when bad times are going to strike, that whatever guiding force of good there is might hand-select a few people to – Spread the word.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you you think about it, people were fools not to listen to Noah. (laughs) You know, he was directly told that that something was going to happen. And I think many of them are probably genuine in their belief. I don't think that they're charlatans looking out to make a talk. I think there are a lot that are. But I think that many genuinely feel like they've been touched. So obviously if you want to keep an open mind about all things kind of paranormal, all things unexplained, you have to think, okay, well, where were they getting this information from? Perhaps it was – something actually telling them that this is going to happen. That's during that same kind of fight-or-flight um, response that's, uh, that is sometimes associated with the paranormal, like someone telling us when we're on investigations or we're doing something like that.
2: Well, I mean, you made an interesting point because you know, there, I, I firmly believe that in the paranormal media realm and the psychics that we have on this show and around other shows, I believe that the percentage of phonies people who are just doing this to make a buck in are charlatans, I think it's probably v- relatively low. We're probably talking like 1% or 2%, and I think those ones get kind of exposed and found out rather quickly. But I do think there is a good percentage of people who think, as you said, think they have this ability and may necessarily not. And I would never want to go and see a doctor who thinks that he knows what he's doing, <laughs> firmly believes right. that he knows what he's doing, but you know might not actually get the job done correctly. But it is one of those... uh I guess businesses you could say where, you know, there's no real, there's no real measuring stick other than word of mouth from those that you've made rather predictions for.
1: A rhetorical oracle.
2: Yeah, exactly. A rhetorical oracle.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, people who want it are going to search it out. Uh, Whether it's national wide in terms of like finding it in magazines or things like that, or whether it's a psychic. Um, or whether you know and, and now if you go on the internet and you search for a few things that are you know that kind of questionable or unexplained kind of paranormal supernatural realm ads are going to start popping up there are enough of these websites to translate and so they're gonna offer you psychic advice and offer and and those search engines and those websites and things like that they know what they're doing so they know they they know their target audience just as much as a psychic going into a room do cold readings on an audience knows basically by body, and, you know, and how people are interacting and how they're, how they're uh, interacting with the, the person who's doing the, the, the reading, they know enough to translate all that stuff into being like, huh, this is the perfect prime candidate. So the people who are offering predictions, especially the ones that are asking to pay, they find you that way. And that's not a paranoia kind of thing. That's just basic, you know, algorithms and things that I don't really understand
2: kind of uh, strange how close the cold reading psychic is to the uh, to the um, tent revival preacher but
0: uh... I, I, and, and, and I used to do uh, cold readings and psychic uh, you know my own little kind of John Edwards thing to my classes every year uh, and used to freak them out I used to get some kids that would cry that they thought that <laughs> their you know their dead uncle was in the room wanting to communicate with them and the lesson was my introduction to Using your uh, ability to read people to become a good interviewer. It was actually a journalism lesson about interviewing and kind of not just what are they saying, but how they're saying it. And uh, and every year I was able to get five or six kids to completely believe that I was talking to someone. And of course, the rest always you know said afterwards that they didn't. But one actually, I remember holding her hand out and saying. They're right here. I can feel them. It's warm right here. Like, yeah, there's the radiators right there, but that's okay. You know, that's slide because, you know...
2: You're proving Mac my point. Concerned. Yeah, exactly.
0: Right, there, there, definitely, there definitely is a, a similarity in those. And, and once again, I think that it, a lot of them, that comes from feeling that they are connecting. Um, not necessarily even saying they're deluding themselves. They could be, you know, honestly having some psychic connection or some kind of worldview But a lot of it comes from they've done something, they've had success, and so they now start to think that everything they're going to be doing is going to be a hit. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, we are just about out of time, Chris, but we thank you for joining us and giving us the Balzano breakdown on predictions and the prediction business. And we look forward to talking to you many times in 2010.
0: Yeah, this is a perfect way to start out my years, being on Spooky South and getting a chance to talk to you guys and having, you know, Matt Moniz disagree with me on something. Really, <laughs> a good I didn't year.
2: disagree with you, it's just <laughs> stating what the facts are. He doesn't argue, he just teaches. That's the way he looks at it. And
0: I think uh, I think Mac Matt could, uh, could make a living out of uh out of you know, clarifying things that I say. So nah, we work well together.
1: <laughs> I, I do miss having you up here, brother. I really do. And uh doing uh no, I do miss having you up here, bro. I do. Um, but I have an idea for you with all these psychics being on the, um, internet and things. Why don't you start your own thing and make your own like cyber magic eight ball, charge people five bucks to ask a question and have the, you know,
2: it would work. you know, I was going to say too, Chris, I was going to leave you with this one thought. I have a friend who is a psychologist and he goes online because you know, you can only get so much business in your office. He does a lot of work online on these different websites where people want to hire a psychologist and you pay by credit card and you get a half-an-hour session with him. And he said that while it does help supplement his income, he makes nothing compared to the psychics that are on these same sites who right. make far more money than he And he's like, you know what, I should have gone into that because then I wouldn't have a $100,000 college bill to worry about.
0: Right, well, if he's a good enough psychologist, he probably could make the uh, the uh, leap pretty easily.
2: Well, that's what I told him. But he, he he said he didn't feel right about that, that it was kind of dirty. i was like using psychology (laughs) against people what (laughs) don't tell that to my parents teachers or any other influential figure i had growing up all right well thank you very much chris for joining us we wish you a happy and healthy 2010 and hopefully only good things will continue to come your way
0: same to you guys have a great night you too
2: bye-bye all right so next saturday night we're going to be uh dealing with nfl playoffs so uh, our plan is to be on at 10 o'clock. It may be earlier, uh, maybe a 6 p.m. show. I, we have to figure out exactly what the schedule is going to be. But you'll know as soon as we know by going to SpookySouthCoast.com or Twitter.com slash SpookySC. And uh, we will be talking with Alexandra Bruce about 2012. And I guess, you know, after we've had all these predictions about 2010 and what could come to pass on this year, it's only appropriate to look ahead to the whole world ending just two years from now. <laughs> well, almost three. Gives us something to look forward yeah, to. Exactly. We Well, we'll tell you what. That's plenty of spooky South Coast between now and then. So, Until then, from Matt Moniz, from Matt Costa, I'm Tim Weisberg. We want you all to stay spooktacular.
1: Rest assured, yeah, right listener, ahead. that yeah, my ahead. time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard <coughs> was not fiction, although... In many a desperate moment, I uh, most certainly uh, wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, oh, was... until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow.
2: He invited, he started it by
3: inviting us. I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but he does it.
1: First with local news, talk, and sports. This is WBSM New Bedford, Citadel.